0: Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Web3 Business Podcast, helping you navigate the future of business. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Web3 Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host Michael Stelsner and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of web3. Today I'll be joined by Raul Sood and we're going to explore web3 gaming and artificial intelligence and I think you're going to find this interview really really fascinating. Raul is a serial entrepreneur who's been very successful, has had multiple exits. And I really ask him a lot about the business model side of what he's building. They've generated over $45 in funding for this business that they're building. And I think if you're interested in kind of a really cool business model use case that you haven't likely heard before, this is going to be the show you're definitely going to want to listen to. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram, at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter, and at Web3 Examiner on Warpcast. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show. So you don't miss any of our future content. I was recently at social media marketing world and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at social media examiner, the best of the best of the guests that you hear on the social media marketing podcast, not only teach at our conference, for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Raul Sood. Helping you to simplify your Web3 journey, here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Raul Sood. If you don't know who Raul is, he's a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of Irreverent Labs, which is a tongue twister, a company that creates AI-generated entertainment. He's building the Mecha Fight Club, a robotic cockfighting game, and he's also co-host of the 100-Year Podcast. Raul, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. How are you doing, Michael?
0: I'm doing outstanding. Today, you and I are going to explore how AI is impacting Web3 gaming in particular. But before we go there, I want to hear your story. How'd you get into gaming? How'd you get into Web3? Start wherever you want to start. And don't forget to mention this 100-year vision thing, because I'm very interested in hearing about that as well.
1: Sure. So I'll just give you a bit of background. I've been a serial entrepreneur in gaming and entertainment most of my life. Like, I started many, many years ago. I started what is known as the, the world's first PC gaming hardware manufacturer. It was called Voodoo PC, and it was way back in the day. I remember that. Uh, wow. Yeah, I was like, while I was in high school. And uh, the company did quite well. You know, in the end, we got acquired by Hewlett Packard. We were big competitors with Alienware. I mean, this was a long time ago. After that, I, I was with HP for three years as a CTO. I didn't really enjoy it. I was there for one year mentally, and then and then two additional years, uh, just physically my body, but my mind was elsewhere. <laughs> and uh, I, I started to kind of look around and I got hired into Microsoft as a, as a general manager. And, um, and I ended up starting Microsoft Ventures. This was between 2010 and 2014. Wow. Started Microsoft Ventures with my current business partner, David Raschino. He was at Microsoft. We met, we started this fund and then it turned into something pretty awesome. What year would you say that was? 2010 to 2014, in that range. Okay. It was really fun. You know, we... We would work with startups from around the world, help them build and grow, get them funding, that sort of thing. But I got kind of bored in the end, not not because Microsoft is like anything other than an amazing company to work for. I just, as an entrepreneur, I just needed to get out and do something else. And so, you know, I, I started to make some investments. I made an investment in a VR, AR company out of Montreal, which was really cool. Like it's a hardware company, sort of back to my roots, and I helped them with their uh, strategy and rebranding. It's called Vervana, and it got acquired by Apple. And uh, I started an esports betting company called Unicorn, which you know, back in 2014, it was pretty early to get into first of all legal sports betting, and but second of all, to even think about building on blockchain. And we started building a total token economy on blockchain uh, between 2014 and 2015, and the company took off. Like we created a uh, basically this this uh, virtual uh, token economy in order to test out new markets for for this betting product and uh, and it became super popular. You know the the long story short is we we went through some incredible growth. We had a number of challenges, uh, regulatory challenges, licensing, like all kinds of stuff. But in the end, Unicorn got acquired by Entain PLC in 2021 and. Entain is like a, one of the largest gambling companies on earth, wow. and part of that deal was that I could go off and do whatever I wanted. So I didn't have to work for Entain, which is really what I wanted. Like I didn't, I didn't want to be part of the business anymore. I was just kind of like, I need to get out and do something else that that doesn't deal with the re- regulation side of things and just something less stressful. So originally, I didn't want to work, and then David called me, who was the guy who helped me start Microsoft Ventures, and he he had left Microsoft, but he was back at Microsoft working in research again. He spent most of his career in ML, like machine learning. And he was working in the cyber defense team, helping Microsoft build software to identify and thwart nation-state attacks against the United States wow. and, and large companies in the US. Yeah, he was leading up the AI team to, to do that. And he wanted to talk about sort of new ideas. So we went for coffee, we started riffing on ideas, and he told me about this really cool piece of software that he was building, this AI software that he was building for businesses. And he, you know, he thought, hey, you know, we could. We could use the CEO and maybe you can come and join us and we'll do something. And I looked at it for about two days and I came back to him and I said, man, this is like, this is cool, but it's super boring. I just couldn't do it. I'd fall asleep, you know, every day at work. And uh, he said, well, you know, wh- what are your ideas? And I told I shared it with him. It's really dumb idea that I had uh, developed with my son. And it was like an idea of a video game where it's based in the future, you know, a futuristic cockfighting game where they're robot cocks and hens, they fight in the coctagon but there's no user control. Like the, the, the characters are all autonomous or NPCs anyway, it was, was the term that I used.
0: What does NPC stand for? Non-player or something?
1: No, non-player character. So if you've ever seen the movie Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds, that's basically what it is. Or if you played Grand Theft Auto, all the background characters are non-player characters that really don't have a brain. They, they just do the same thing over and over again. So, you know, David brought in this idea of, of making the characters artificially intelligent so that they become smarter over time and they, they become true, truly artificially intelligent NPCs. And, and that's where we started to riff on this concept of creating these characters that are unique, that people build a bond with, and they own them like pets, and they train them like pets, and, and they become part of this world, this, this fighting world. So we came up with some concepts around how we use AI in this game and how we use AI in general as a company. And, and so Irreverent Labs was formed. Yeah, we formed it in late 2021, You know, our idea was to create automated entertainment, which at the time, the term uh, generative AI wasn't widely used. So we just called it, you know, automated entertainment. You know, Mecca Fight Club is gonna be a showcase product for us, but ultimately we're gonna build tools uh, like AI tools that will allow creators to create really cool stuff like videos or, you know, living characters or or that sort of thing. And we ended up very quickly raising $5 million. And then uh, within a few months, we raised another 40 million. So, so we raised forty-five million dollars, and we've been building it ever since.
0: So, this is fascinating. And these characters, there's a Web three component to this, right? I mean, we're going to get into this a little bit. But so, I guess my question to you is, like, what is your? You have this extensive background in the big business and the gaming side of it. How'd you get into like the NFT and the website of it? Is there a story on that side of it as well?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I've been, you know, in in gaming and and blockchain for a number of years, uh, starting in 2014 with blockchain, really got deep into Bitcoin in 2014. I, I would say in 2013, I was a bit of a skeptic, but then I got like, you know, both feet in, got very deep into it. And one of the things that I was intrigued about was NFTs. And this was yeah, this was around 2018, 2017, 2018. I started to buy crypto kitties and just saw the concept of trading cards and that sort of thing. And um you know, I was still at Unicorn at the time and uh Chris Laurent, the CEO of VHS Studios who created Zed Run, contacted me and said they, you know, they're building this this idea of a horse racing game on blockchain and uh, you know, he didn't have to sell me on it. I just like right away, you know, said, "Yeah, we're we we're, we we got to talk to this guy." And so you know, there was a few people on my team that that also had so Chris had gotten in touch with, you know, we had part of our team in Australia, which is where VHS is located.
0: Yeah, we had Chris Ebeling on the show. Is there two Chris's that, that? are Yeah, there? yeah, okay.
1: yeah. So Chris is this. Lauren is the CEO. Chris Ebeling was sort of the head of design. Yep. Um, And uh and so, you know, we, we love the concept and we made the first investment in there. Like we made a pretty large investment at the time. And so we're the largest individual shareholder before they started to do their VC round. Things just got really interesting, just watching them, you know, doing what they do. It's, it's a really neat concept, you know, the idea that you could have horses on blockchain and, you know, they, they win races and that sort of thing. But there's a lot of RNG associated to it, like meaning random number generation and that kind of thing. And so when David and I started Mecha Fight Club, you know, the idea that we would use AI instead made it really interesting because now the characters actually become more unique over time. And, the, you know, the more time you spend with them, the happier they are, the better they fight for you. You know, if you don't spend time with them, they get disappointed and mad. Maybe they go into a dark place. And so the emotional connection part was really key for me in, in this case. So, you know, so to answer your question, my first real dive into NFT gaming entertainment was with Zed.
0: Now you've got this hundred year vision thing. You want to talk about that real quick?
1: yeah so when we talked about building the game you know the 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 future of this space of entertainment and gaming is is really about ownership for us right we we wanted to we wanted to create these uh you know pets if you will, but they're robotic cocks and hens that that the people build these emotional connections to and they have ownership in that's the web three component for us is the ownership part of those birds and and the provenance the history uh and, you know their their fighting history the amount they've earned and and that sort of thing um But the earning part is key. It's like, how do you build an economy in a game that doesn't turn into a Ponzi scheme? Um, You know, because quite honestly, if you look at a lot of these games in Web3, you know, back a couple of years ago, 2021, it was like the hottest thing ever. Um, And they were building these coins uh, and then giving them to people, you know, based on player growth and that sort of thing. The problem is once the player growth stagnated or once the economy, uh, the the overall crypto economy started to fall, the whole thing falls apart and, and it doesn't work. And so, you know, we knew this was going to happen. So a f- couple of years ago, we wrote a, well, I mean, in 2021, we wrote a white paper called the 100 year economy. And, and what it basically says is you cannot create an economy by emitting coins out, out of, uh, you know, out of nowhere, right? Because if you do that, it, it is going to collapse at some point. You have to have fiat in the system. You actually have to have human production in the system. So, how do you, how do you get creators to create and and get a, an actual economy going where there's actual work, human work, but into the game? And, and that's the whole point of the 100-year economy. And so, you know, so we developed this, this vision for a 100-year economy that will launch at some point. Uh, but right now, we just want to make the game free to play and get people using it.
0: Very interesting. Okay, so first of all, thank you for your fascinating backstory. That helps put a lot of context in what we're going to be talking about today. There are people listening, entrepreneurs, marketers, creators that are um, maybe skeptical about like, they might be all in on gaming, but they might be skeptical on Web3. What's your take on why Web3 and gaming together is something that we should pay attention to?
1: Well, first, I don't blame anybody for being skeptical about this space. I've been through four bear markets now, like bull bear cycles, where I've seen, you know, the best of people and the worst of people come out. And, And this last bear cycle with FTX and celsius and all these like garbage Do kwan type deals that went through and really destroyed not only did it destroy the, the crypto ecosystem but it destroyed the credibility of the space in a way that drove regulators completely nuts like the, the the regulators are now taking their their ire out on good american companies like coinbase you know like coinbase is a company that's trading on the stock exchange and these guys are legit they don't have a coin they're really building like the future of financial services. Bittrex is another company that's doing great things. But Bittrex had to shut down because the cost of the regulatory environment is too high. And now Coinbase is facing this basically head on alone in the US, you know, and they, they need to get through this. And so, 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 so just going back to what you said about being skeptical, I don't blame anybody for being skeptical. What I will say is this, every time there's a bear market, you know, it takes a couple of years for things to pass. And this too shall pass. In the next bull market, you're going to see the builders who built really great products emerge and rise to the top. And so the purpose of Web3 for us is not about coins and speculation and any of that stuff. It's nothing to do with that. All it is is about ownership of these characters. When you play a game, and I've been playing games forever, like I'm, I'm big, I play League of Legends a lot, for example, but I have no emotional attachment to any of the characters in the game. And, you know, a League of Legends game is like 45 minutes of my life spent in, in playing a game and I get nothing out of it. Right. Other than the brief utility and kind of the waste of time, not going to the gym or not doing whatever. And so for me, like the future of the space is the people own the characters. They build these relationships with the characters that they own, like a pet. You never want to sell it. You want to build it over time and you want to share it with people and have, you know, have like fun moments together in, in like a a augmented reality type experience. So you walk into a bar, you, you take your phone, uh, uh, take a picture of a QR code and a octagon appears in the middle of the bar, and you can start to share that experience with other people from different angles and, and that sort of thing. So there is a future for Web3 gaming, and it really it, it starts with the user and their relationship with the characters in the game.
0: That's really cool. First of all, it kind of feels a little bit like what Ready Player One the good side of Ready Player One could become, right? Where you've got these characters you've developed and they they have value and they, you know, can compete and 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 win real things. You know, you've got a pretty substantial business background and you've been in traditional web two businesses and web three businesses. What are the pros and cons from your perspective for anyone thinking about getting into this, you know, blockchain based, if you will, world? Cause I'm sure you must have contemplated the possibility of being able to do this faster and maybe cheaper without having to do it on the blockchain. Let's talk through from your perspective as an entrepreneur, like what are the pros and cons?
1: So the way I like to think about it is like this. If I'm talking to an entrepreneur about getting in the space, you know, and they want to do, they want to get into Web3, I I say to them, why? You know, like if you don't have a real reason to get into Web3, then there's no reason to get into Web3. Like if you're a game developer, you want to build a really great game that doesn't require ownership with, you know, with players and the characters or it doesn't require you know, some sort of rewards economy or that sort of thing, don't bother because you shouldn't make your game about the technology or you shouldn't make any product about the technology. You should make it about the user experience and what you're trying to create. So the first things first is, is build a really fun game. And if that game requires technology like Web3-based tech or, or AI tech or whatever, AR you know, for augmented reality or, you know, that sort of thing, mixed reality, then go and dive into that tech, but don't build it for the sake of building it because you just won't get anywhere and you won't build anything meaningful for anybody.
0: But let's talk about the pros, you know, like what, what's the upside here from an entrepreneurial side? Cause you must've measured this. I mean, I'm sure you and your partner said, okay, you got the AI thing. You've got the augmented reality experience side, and you've got your experience in, you know, blockchain and Web3. Like, what's the upside from an entrepreneurial perspective to going down this path from a strategic long-term perspective?
1: Listen, I don't want to disappoint anybody with this answer, but there's no upside to it unless you build something really great that people want to use, right? Right. So the the upside is there. there is no upside uh, to the technology. The The upside is really in the product that you build. and and the addressable market that you're hitting and and gaining traction in that addressable market. And if that means you're you're using certain technologies to get there, that's great. There's more downsides to it. And the downsides are you have to find the right talent. You know, you you don't look for blockchain developers because they're basically hackers that really don't know what they're doing. You, You need to find really great software engineers. You know, at the same time, the AI stuff is even worse. There's tons of downsides there. The cost of compute is enormous. And then finding the talent and trying to pay them is like next level impossible you know for 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 ai
0: so let's also talk about educating the the the, the users right because a lot of gamers aren't going to be embracing web3 would you agree with that
1: yeah like a, a lot of gamers aren't embracing it because they they think of it like oh nfts and crypto coins right and if that's how they think about it then i don't blame them for not wanting to get into it but once you see a product like what we're creating with with uh, mega fight club like we hope that people will change their minds because they'll see something that's really fun and engaging, they can own the character and that's it, right? It's really simple. They should be able to own the character, the characters go and do their thing, and they get entertainment from that and watch their characters build over time. Sort of like um, back in the day, you know, you play Dungeons and Dragons and you had a character, you'd roll the dice and you'd keep adding to that character over time. And there's like provenance that the character has. But imagine that in, in a real world of gaming with people from around the world.
0: Well, and, you know, where you're going with this is probably what's the motivation behind doing this, right? Because there is a there is an advantage to being an early mover in a space if you believe in the long-term vision of where it's going, right? And I would love to kind of have you share with us your vision of where you believe the entertainment world is going, right? And I'm sure that's gonna help connect the dots as to why someone like you would be willing to go out and raise all this money and go down this crazy path, right? So tell me, where do you believe entertainment industry as a whole is going? Talk to me a little bit about that vision.
1: Yeah, so I, I personally believe that there is having having agency between the players and characters in the game is is a really great future but also uh, getting creators involved in entertainment and, and giving them upside within that, the entertainment that they create. So, you know, we're ultimately, Reverent Labs is a, you know, for, for lack of a better word, a, a tools company, but we're a future, we're a, a company from the future building tools for the future, right? And, and so we're, we're, we're basically building, like our first tool is, is something that allows you to, to use text to create 3D images. And then we do video prediction to create video based on the description that you want. So, so if you want to create a video of something, you can, you can use our tool to be able to do that. And our goal is to help augment the creator and make them more effective, make them be- better at their jobs, give them more tools to basically 10x their, their current abilities, and, uh, and then have creators participate in our world of, of Mecha Fight Club. Like, they don't have to. They can go create a movie if they want, but if they want to create environments within the game, they should be able to do that if they want to describe what a bird should look like, they should be able to do that, you know, in in the future. And then at the same time, players should be able to own the characters in the game, watch them fight and build them up over time, build their social media profiles and turn these characters into celebrities so that eventually if they do decide to step away from the game, they can sell the character to someone else or transfer it to their kids or something like that.
0: Well, and I want to explore this a little bit, like, Let's transcend the conversation outside of your project and look at where, like in five to 10 years, you see the entire entertainment industry going, right? Like we've got a concept of agency that you mentioned, ownership, gaming, like connect the dots on a big vision, right? Like where do you see all of this intersecting? Because you said we're a company from the future, which means you've, in your mind, seen a future. I would love to hear what that looks like.
1: I would see... You know, if, if I were to think about where I'd love to see us in a year or so, I'd love to see somebody, a creator, uh, an individual director come to our site, use our, you know, our text to 3D and, and video prediction tool to create a movie that goes to the Cannes Film Festival, for example. Ah. So like a, like, like a single person should be able to create a movie. And and I guess that's where I'm going with this is you don't need giant studios to create entertainment. You just need, a, a you know, a couple people and then using the power of software, in this case, you know, machine learning and AI. You should be able to create something pretty magical with just a small group of people. And so, you know, in 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 my world these areas are sort of converging. Entertainment as in, you know, entertainment that you view and then entertainment that you play is kind of converging in this in this new world of sort of interactive entertainment that involves ownership and sort of becomes a part of your life.
0: So if we think about like obviously generative AI as a hot topic, I just had my Conference, social media marketing world in San Diego, and we, a lot of marketers obviously are talking about it. And you're you're referring to text based. You know, we've got Midjourney right now, obviously, which allows you to create an image based on text. It sounds like you're creating similar large language model, AI systems that will allow someone with, with text to essentially create a character and to create backgrounds and stuff like that. So how does that all connect into the ownership side and the agency side that comes with Web3? Like help connect the dots on where you see all that going.
1: They're, they're kind of separate things for the moment, you know, and, and where they connect, we're not sure yet. And I'll tell you why I'm saying that. So for example, you know, if you look at how they, they train things like mid-journey and that sort of thing, I mean, they probably scoured the web and look through images to train the AI. It's so sort of like an AI is, is 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 going through Google and going through images and all that stuff to sort of train itself as to what's what so that it can build, you know, like a, a learning model to be able to create images based on what you want. Uh, and it actually generates those images from scratch. So, you know, in terms of like ownership or IP rights, I, I don't know that we know how it's going to, you know, how, how things are going to form out. What I do know though is in the game of of Mecha Fight Club where we own all the IP if a user buys a character they own that character and they own the the rights to use that character however they want. So you know if they if they if the character becomes huge let's say you own Oprah Henry or Conor McGregor with 2Gs and it does really well in the Coctagon. it has you know it has it's like a celebrity winning lots of fights and has a huge following on TikTok or whatever you own that character. So you know, you could feasibly get a brand sponsorship on it and, you know, paint a brand sponsorship on the character and and keep it going. And, and so that type of player agency is something that's never been seen in a video game before.
0: Well, and I guess if I just hypothesize with you and we get creative for a second, you are a company that is creating NFTs and you're also a company that's creating AI tools Right. And you're adding agency to these NFTs or maybe agency isn't the right intelligence so they can autonomously battle each other. I could see a future where someone that wants to create their own NFT collection could potentially use tools to create NFTs, inject intelligence into them. You know, I've had the founder of Fluff World on the podcast, you know, and he's also working on some AI intelligence stuff and they're trying to fuse all this together. So I could see tools that would allow people to create games in the future without having to understand game mechanics, right? Create characters in the future. I mean, where we're really going here is kind of a creative palette for all these kinds of things. Do you see that possibly happening in the next five to 10 years?
1: Like, I I think when we first started Irreverent Labs, we said we want to build tools to breathe life into these characters, right? And then maybe eventually we'll make these tools available to other people, other companies, and that sort of thing. Then with the with the crash of FTX and just the whole teardown of the, the whole crypto markets, we uh, we decided instead of doing that later, what we'll do is we'll make the game free to play, let people play the game. They just have to have their own bird. And you know, we we did a small release of birds. We're not gonna sell anymore at this point uh, until we get, you know, a few sort of iterations of the game going. But we're gonna monetize our tools first. So the first tool to come out is our. Text to three D slash uh, video prediction tool, and then after that, we'll look at releasing other tools as well to creators.
0: So let's dig in a little bit on Mecha Fight Club. First of all, how many NFTs were there? When did you launch? Let's kind of like just break down a little bit on the on on the on the the project when it first came out.
1: Well, we started building it in in twenty twenty one when we announced the Reverend Labs. We we have a community of around you know forty thousand plus people, and we picked. About 2,000 of those people, you know, to, to help pilot and, and test pilot it. So, so we sold 2,000 birds or 2,200 birds, somewhere in that range, or eggs, I should say. And uh, many of those people hatch their eggs. Some of them haven't. So some of them are just kind of holding on and waiting. But the idea is that these characters are sort of living, breathing, you know, characters, living, breathing pets, almost like a Tamagotchi. You open up the app, you see your bird, and now you can interact with it. So we're creating a series of kind of experiences around these characters, not a monolithic game like a Dota 2 or a League of Legends, but like more like a series of mini games. The first game is a dojo game that allows you to train your bird in a dojo. We train them new moves, katas, that sort of thing. And they level up. They level up from, you know, they level up different belts, essentially. And as they level up, they're, you know, they're preparing to fight in amateur fights in the cockpit and then eventually professional fights in the octagon. And so each of these sort of experiences is a, is kind of like a different mini game that gets added on to, to the overall game.
0: Did you launch in 2021 or did you, you started a community first and then when did you launch the eggs approximately? We launched
1: the eggs in 2022. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then you, did you gift those eggs to active participants or did you have a special like allow list? No,
1: no, we, we had, we had a, a small sale, you know, and, and we had people come in and, and just buy the eggs. It was actually relatively inexpensive because we weren't. We're not using the NFT to fund the business in any way because we raise money through the traditional method. Right. So we, we raise money, we raised $45 million through an equity round. So, you know, for us, it was just like a, like a, a small sale to get users who are interested in, in the game to help us develop the, the game, essentially. Our ultimate goal would be to pass this on to the community, you know, like to pass, like, like to give doll? the community these tools. Yeah, give the community the tools to be able to, be, to create really cool stuff within the game and let them run it. But, you know, that, that's years out. So we'll see.
0: So, OK, so you sold in 2022, 2,000 of these eggs. And is there like a burn mechanic where they have to burn the NFT of the egg in order to get the cock or does it do They just go through? Oh, some... yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So 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 basically what you have to do is just go to the website, connect your wallet and you hatch the egg and then the egg sort of burns. It, it shows the history that which egg it was because every egg was unique. And then you see your, your, your cock or hen pop out. And they're named from the factory and that sort of thing. Yeah.
0: So once you get the 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 hen or whatever you call it, the the cock, how soon after that happened did the utility come with the ability to actually begin uh, the dojo training and stuff? Was that right away, or is that something more recently that you did?
1: When we hatched the, the the egg, basically the first thing was we gave them a media kit to go out and start building their social media profiles and ah. uh, you know and, and that sort of thing. And we keep ad- we sort of adding to that. So we basically you know we have these contest where we create um, cinematics around a particular bird in the community and that sort of thing. Um, but the, the the dojo was ready. We just we just had a very few people kind of using it. But uh, recently we've released it to a few more people so they can give us more feedback on it. We really want to improve the quality of the fights before we get them fighting in the Coctagon though. So, you know, that's what we're building now.
0: Okay. So fascinating on the strategy of actually encouraging people to launch their own Twitter account for their, for their, uh, their characters and, and, and try to get some social and you guys uh, rewarded them. As you said, it sounds like the more successful ones got some media where you helped them create videos and stuff like that. Is that what I'm hearing you say?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and we continue to sort of promote, you know, the, the project through Mecha Fight Club's Twitter, you know, and that type of thing while we build the game, you know, we're, we're active in the community with them kind of getting feedback on the progress of the fights everybody knows that the crypto economy is in the toilet. So, you know, the the idea of launching a, you know, a, a play to earn type economy doesn't make sense in, in any way, shape or form right now. It's too much of a struggle. We, we're not going to do that. You know, we we want to build, build a game where it's free to play, but the characters kind of become increasingly unique over time. We'll throw prizes at them and it'll be fed by the the income that we're, that we're generating from the AI uh, tools.
0: So there's been a lot of innovation in the last like couple of months here with AI, right? Like it's gone crazy, especially with open AI, chat GPT, mid journey, all that kind of stuff. When you guys were planning this, you know, was AI initially going to be a big part of it? As you mentioned, it sounds like you did change your plans when the market kind of collapsed, about nine months ago with all this crazy stuff going on in the crypto winter that we're in right now did you have different plans and did you have to pivot and i would love you to talk a little bit about that because there's so many people that are like you know have to learn agility right and you've been a serial entrepreneur for a very long time how did your plans have to change as a result of this and are they changing again because of the massive upscaling on the ai side of things
1: the first thing is no like if if we didn't have AI is part of the story. We never would have been able to raise $45 million. So our lead investors saw kind of the direction of where we're going. You know, the uh, the idea that we're building AI into these birds, that they're going to be autonomously, you know, autonomous NPCs that, that are artificially intelligent. So they become increasingly unique over time. They love that idea. We shared with them our idea of the crater tools, which at the time we just referred to as automated entertainment. Because they, as I said, like generative AI wasn't really widely used. But we, we we're always going down this path. The only thing that we changed was the monetization plan, which is instead of like launching the game with a full economy, we said we're going to launch the game, make it free, and launch the tool sooner. Uh, our plan to launch the tool was was pulled in by uh, about a year, uh, so so we've been working extra hard on getting that out, which meant that we would have to you know buy a compute cluster and that sort of thing. So we had to set up you know. So I guess the 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 real pivot is bringing in the cost of the compute sooner. But luckily, NVIDIA was able to allocate us GPUs, which they've, you know, it's very difficult to get these GPUs in the first place. You can't just go to AWS and ask for H100 GPUs. They're not gonna give them to you. So we were able to get the GPUs. Uh, We were able to get a commitment, you know, over a period of time. We have our own kind of reference data center being set up within an NVIDIA data reference center. And uh, we have all the compute we need to train these, you know, to train this model as quickly as possible. Yeah. So I I would say all that really changed was timelines. That's it. Talk to me a little
0: bit about like, you have 2000 of these initial NFTs, right? But you've got this bigger community that somehow you're going to open up and unlock, right? So at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So is it always going to be 2000 people? I mean, is this just a like, this is the part where I want to, I'm curious about like, like a lot of people ask in this world, how can you build a business on just a couple thousand people? Yeah, that's right. Can you talk to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, look, you know, for us, uh, MFC or Mecca Fight Club is like a halo product. It's like a showcase for the tech that we're building. We don't care if there's 2,000 people using it or 200 people using it. Any more than 2,000 would be hard for us to manage. Like managing a community in the first place is hard, right? We we don't want to manage a a large community right now. We want want them to basically, we want people to view this and they will view it. So if 50,000 people are watching these fights and they love it and they want to get involved, they're going to have to wait. And that's okay. You know, we'll, we'll give them an opportunity to play for free using a free bird. We have these, uh, we have two birds. So one of them is called Soy Boy, then there's Soy Girl. And they're basically free birds, if you will, that you can play with if you're just like a regular, you know, Joe. But if you want to own a bird, you can't, n- not a, unless you buy one from someone else.
0: Well, and this is a fascinating business strategy that you're doing here, right? So many projects in the NFT space. Are completely wrapped around an NFT project, right? Many of them are have started accidental businesses, right? Like they've had success, like the Board Ape Yacht Club. They didn't have this strategy when they started; they just kind of figured it out as they went. My guess is the same of Azuki and a lot of these other big projects that are that have eventually gotten funding. Some other projects like Kevin Rose, I'm sure, had strategy from the beginning that had to alter and stuff. But but you're using really the NFT use case as just a proof of concept, which I think is amazing, right? So the bigger thing that you're building are these tools that can you talk a little bit about where that's going to go? I think we talked about this already, but this concept of like from a business perspective, just building a proof of concept (laughs) Talk about why that's kind of a unique thing that you can, that that maybe not a lot of people understand the concept of that. You know, why, why is that such a fascinating thing that you would just build this thing as a proof of concept with the hope that the world will latch onto it. And then the real thing is going to be made in the tool.
1: You know, the, 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 the idea is that we want to be able to inform the developers on, you know, where entertainment is going and, you know, how the game is doing, but at the same time, we'd like to be able to have the AI team inform the game team as to what they're building to see how we can leverage it. Um, and, uh, you know, so having that proof of concept is kind of important. It's sort of like if, you know, back in the 60s, when, when, when Ford wanted to beat Ferrari, like Henry Ford was trying to find a way to to, to make the Mustang super uh, super popular, right? And, uh, and so Lee Iacocca used to work for Ford and uh, Hen- he was the president of Ford at the time. And Henry Ford went to Lee Iacocca and said, how are we going to beat, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to sell the out of this car? And Lee Iacocca told him to go buy Ferrari and, uh, you know, to have Ferrari sort of like a halo brand for Ford. And so he said, go do it. And the long story short is the offers failed. They, they tried to buy Ferrari. Enzo Ferrari was about to sign 24 hours, you know, left in the deal. He decided to back out and he, he's not interested because he wanted to control racing. So then, what Ford did was they went out and they built the Ford GT, and you know Henry Ford basically said, "I I don't care what it costs, go build the Ford GT and go beat these guys in in the Le Mans race, right?" And so they did that. They basically spent billions of dollars to build the Ford GT, and they won like first, second, and third play- place finishes three years in a row against Ferrari, and then they discontinued the car. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because it's kind of like a halo for Ford. They sold the out of the Mustang. It was the most popular car of all time then, and you know for us showing what what a creator can do, what a game studio can do using our tools to create something really neat. This is why we're doing Mecha Fight Club. I mean, it could be, it could prove to be a failure or it could prove to be like a really, really great proof of concept. Either way, it doesn't matter because we know that the tool is going to be super successful. And we also know that we will continue to develop these tools to breathe life into these characters and make them more and more unique. So people will find new ways to use them.
0: So the tools that you are building, who are, who's the target audience for that? Is it the gaming world? Is it the movie world?
1: It's anybody actually, you know, and it's kind of a, kind of like a question that, that you, when you ask an entrepreneur and they say, oh, we're going after the, ent- the entire world, it's a stupid answer, right? You know it and I know it, you know? So, so when someone says our target is anybody and everybody, For us, it kind of is, but we want to start with the gaming community first, because we believe that they drive technology decisions, and they're very influential, and they're techie, and that sort of thing. But for us, it's basically creators and people that are involved in entertainment. And then over time, it'll become anybody.
0: So are you kind of an alternative to Unreal Engine in the grand scheme of things using AI? Is that kind of where we're going with this? Uh, Yeah, like I I would say so. Or Unity?
1: No, listen, it's a good question. When you're building a company as an entrepreneur, you always want to look for what is your strategic plan in five years for a potential exit? Um, You know, Unreal, like Epic could be a potential exit for us. Unity. Google, Microsoft, there's even Disney, like there's so many companies that would look at us as a potential investment or, you know, potentially acquisition. We have to think like that, right? So, you know, I, I would just say, how do we create something that's so damn unique and awesome that a company, a creator company like that would wanna acquire us? And that's sort of, you know, that's what we're doing. Wow. We're getting calls all the time now. Like we're getting calls from investors that we never, you know, we never expected they'd heard about us. Cause we're not, we're not doing a road show. But we're getting calls all the time saying, hey, we've heard really great things about you in the generative AI space. You know, we want to talk about investment. And that's cool. I don't know where they're hearing about us, but I'm sure it's like stuff like this.
0: Roadmap as far as like when you think every day people are going to be able to actually try out the Mecca Fight Club and eventually maybe try out these tools?
1: Mecca Fight Club. I mean, you know, any any everyday person can come to the website now or come to, you know, Mecca Fight Club and express interest in a, in a bird by going into our community and participating on our Twitter and that sort of thing. When they'll be able to play or see the game within three months. And we should have the first version of the tool, the first sort of public preview sometime in July or August.
0: Of 2023 for those that are listening in the future.
1: Of this year, yes.
0: Yeah, excellent. Raul, this has been a really fascinating dialogue, and I want to, first of all, thank you for answering all my curious questions about your business model. I think it's really insightful for a lot of people that are trying to wrap their head around all the business use cases that are made possible as a result of Web3, and in your particular case, Web3 and AI. If people want to connect with you, do you have a preferred social channel? And then also, if they want to check out either Mecca Club or Irreverent Labs, which is so hard for me to pronounce. Where do you want to send them? Is there a particular place?
1: So I would say for all three, find us on Twitter. I'm at Rahul Sood and the at Mecca Fight Club is just M-E-C-H-A Fight Club and at Irreverent Labs as well on Twitter. And then if people want to get a hold of me on LinkedIn, they can as well. I'm, I'm quite accessible there.
0: And, and you did say that there was a website for the Mecca Fight Club, did you not? Uh, what did you say?
1: www.meccafightclub.com. And then there's a site for Irreverent Labs as well, at www.irreverentlabs.com.
0: Awesome. Raul, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you, sir. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash W70. And if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. And would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram, at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter, and at Web3Examiner on Warpcast. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Web3 Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day. And may Web3 continue to change your world. The Web3 Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Examiner. The information provided in the Web3 Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.